Thank you for joining us today. For more information about the church, campus locations, service times, and more, visit ecoegt.com. Also, stay in touch with us on social media by liking us on Facebook and following us on Instagram, at ecoegt. Now let's repair our hearts as we go into the message. Bless the Lord. What a wonderful time in the presence of the Lord. Thank you for worshiping with us. Do me a favor, take your Bible out and turn with me to the God, to uh, the book of 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. On Wednesday nights, we take a book and we go through it verse by verse. We are in our 10th sermon, chapter 2 of 1 Peter. We're going to begin reading in verse 18. Reading out of the New Living Translation. You who are slaves must submit to your masters with all respect. Do what they tell you, not only if they are kind and reasonable, but even if they are cruel. For God is pleased when, conscious of his will, you patiently endure unjust treatment. Of course, you get no credit for being patient if you are beaten for doing wrong, but if you suffer for doing good and endure it patiently, God is pleased with you. Verse 21, for God called you to do good, even if it means suffering. Just as Christ suffered for you, he is your example, and you must follow in his steps. Notice that phrase. You must follow in his steps. He never sinned, nor ever deceived anyone. He did not retaliate when he was insulted, nor threaten revenge when he suffered. He left his case in the hands of God. What a thought. He left his case in the hands of God, who always judges fairly. He personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. By his wounds, you are healed. Once you were like sheep who wandered away, but now you have turned to your shepherd, the guardian of uh, your souls. Let's pray together. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity we have to study your word together. So I pray that you would open up our hearts to receive and give us ears that would hear what the Holy Spirit is saying. And Lord, may we be challenged through your word. May your word transform us and wash us. And Lord, make us more like Christ. Conform us to the image of Jesus. In your mighty name we pray, amen. Tonight we continue with this thought of our responsibility to authority in our lives. Authority is a part of every, of the everyday part of our life. How do we respond to that authority is so important. 
Last time together, we spoke about authority through the government, human authority, and layers of authority. We spoke about the proper role of government authority and, and our proper response to this authority and how it is God's will for us to live honorable lives and, and how we are free. Peter says we are free, but don't, don't use your freedom as an excuse just to keep doing what you want to do. And then in verse 17, he gave us a fourfold challenge to respect everyone, to love the family of believers, to fear God and respect the king. Well, tonight we pick up in verse 18. And first of all, I want to talk about inequitable relationships. Now, what do I mean by inequitable relationships? An inequitable relationship is a relationship where there is one who has authority over another, and the two are not viewed as equals in said authority. A simple but inadequate example would be an employer and employee. The employer has a considerable amount of power and influence over the employee. And unfortunately, historically, not always, but there have been times when an unjust employer has taken advantage uh, of an employee. So how is the one, specifically, how is the believer who is in the lesser position turned here, as Peter says, a slave to respond to such situations? How is one to respond to mistreatment and even unfair situations? Now, the passage before us is actually rooted in verse 17, where Peter says, respect everyone, love the family of believers, fear God, and respect the king. Respect everyone. So the Christian's responsibility is respect. The Holman New Testament commentary writes this, respect for everyone indicates that we should approach relationships with others with a positive point of reference. We should see others as having value and honor. Now, in the culture of uh, this day, the culture of the first century, this could easily have been missed. The Roman Empire included 60 million slaves. And the Roman law considered slaves not as persons, but as commodities with no rights. So in effect, Peter calls us to remember the rights of human personality and the dignity of every person. Don't treat people as objects. So with this as an operating principle, we have a special obligation to each other as believers to love each other. As a matter of fact, go back with me to chapter 1 of 1 Peter. Look at verse 22. Notice what Peter says. He says, you were cleansed from your sins when you obeyed the truth. So now you must show sincere love to each other as brothers and sisters. Love each other deeply with all your heart. The letter of Philemon, written by the Apostle Paul, 
is a very personal letter about one of these inequitable relationships. The letter of Philemon is really surrounding a character named Onesimus. Onesimus was a runaway slave. And he ran away from his master and he went to the city of Rome and he encountered the apostle Paul while Paul was in prison. And through the course of time, Onesimus accepted the gospel of Christ and his life was forever changed. So Paul is writing to Philemon to ask him, almost demand him to receive Onesimus, not as a slave, but as a brother. To receive him who had in the past not been profitable to him, but now, because of his faith in Christ, was very profitable relationally. Listen to the words of the Apostle Paul. Philemon 1 verse 15. It seems you lost Onesimus for a little while so that you could have him back forever. He is no longer like a slave to you. He is more than a slave, for he is a beloved brother, especially to me. Now, he will mean much more to you, both as a man and as a brother in the Lord. Notice that, as a brother in the Lord. So if you consider me as your partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. Now, listen to what Paul tells Philemon. If he has wronged you in any way or owes you anything, charge it to my account. Charge it to me. What a great example of a follower of Jesus Christ. What a great example of a life that looks like Jesus. If he's charged you anything, if he owes you anything, charge it to my account. I'm so glad that our Heavenly Father charged what we owed him to the account of Jesus Christ. And because of Jesus, we are forgiven and we have been changed. Getting back to 1 Peter. Peter had already spoken about authority in the life of the believer. Now he is addressing a Christian who is a servant in the house of a pagan, a non-believer. Bruce Barton writes this. The Greek word for servant is not doulos, which is the usual word translated servant or slave. But here it is orchitis, meaning a household servant. So these people were not permanent slaves, but neither were they merely servants. Their positions were semi or, or semi-permanent. They didn't have legal or economic freedom, but often were paid for their services and could eventually hope to purchase their freedom. So the fact of the matter is, the gospel of Christ can change anyone's heart, no matter their position in life. And if the gospel has come to one's house and to one's heart, then it will affect how we live, how we serve, and how we work. Even when we're serving in unpleasant situations. So the basic ground rule for all human relationships should be respect. We should see one another as having value and honor. Now, what should our attitude be if we find ourselves in 
an inequitable situation, relationship. We find it hard to have the right mindset because we feel like that we're being treated unfair. What should our attitude be? Notice verse 18. He's speaking about submission. Do what they tell you. Not only if they are kind and reasonable, but even if they are cruel. So we submit ourselves for the world's sake so that our good deeds may be a witness to the unbeliever and or a testimony against them. We submit ourselves for our fellow Christians' sake out of sacrificial love for them. And we submit ourselves for God's sake because we honor his image in our fellow creatures and because we respect his ordering in our lives. But especially because we gratefully seek to take up our cross and follow Jesus Christ. Jesus said, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. Now let's be honest, that word submit is a tough word. It means to come underneath the authority of another. However, submission, the coming under the authority of is the very premise of Christianity. Because we must first come under the authority of Jesus Christ. And Christianity affects every aspect of our lives. Not simply our spiritual life, but our work life. Our relational life. The relationships we have one with the other. Christianity affects even how we deal with ungodly authority in our lives. How are we to respond? Not only with submission, but respect. Verse 18, submit to your masters with all respect. Now, the New Living has an asterisk by the word respect, meaning it's going to give us some further meaning. And if you, you look at that and you follow the footnotes, you'll see, because you fear God. See, everything we do, we are to do as to the Lord. So let me ask a question. How can we survive and even thrive in unpleasant circumstances? How can we submit ourselves? How can we submit to authority that we feel at times might be abusive or might not be right or even godly? When we see ourselves as submitting to the Lord. When we see our response as us responding to the Lord. Now think about this. The natural, instinctual response often is to rebel, to swell up. However, when we act or react contrary to nature, then our life begins to testify to a greater power within and that greater power within is the gospel of Jesus Christ. When we react differently than when people expect us to react, and we react in kindness and love and submission and respect, the world takes notice. And that's the power, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Peter writes, verse 20, 
But if you suffer for doing good and endure it patiently, God is pleased with you. I think you would agree with me this evening. Our aim in life is to please the Lord, to please the Father. And sometimes that involves being in not so pleasant circumstances where we might be treated unfairly, yet we respond with godly character. Can I challenge you today? Can I challenge you during this season when the pressure is hot and the, the fire is burning around us metaphorically? Can I challenge you to respond in Christ-likeness? Can I challenge us to respond uh, as if Jesus would respond? Our aim is to please the Lord. Notice verse 21, part A. You've been called to do good. For God called you to do good, even if it means suffering. <laughs> God called you to do good, even if you're walking through a difficult time. God's called you to do good, even if circumstances aren't pleasant. God's called you to do good in every situation, in all situations, in every circumstance. God has called us to do good. The believer has been called by God to the situation. It's amazing how your perception begins to change when you realize God has called you. And what God calls you to, he's going to anoint you for. What God's called you to, he's going to give you grace to walk through. What God's called you to, God's going to give you his peace that surpasses understanding. What God's called you to, you're going to be able to survive, but not just survive. You're going to be able to thrive. Why? Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Respond in Christ-likeness. You've been called to this situation. One theologian writes this, God not only calls the believer out of darkness into his marvelous, wonderful light, he also calls the believer to endure suffering that is unjust and painful. And the believer's appropriate response to unjust suffering carries a powerful testimony to an unbelieving culture. And church, I believe there's an opportunity before us to let our light so shine before men, an ungodly culture, so that they will see our Heavenly Father, that he is good, that he is merciful. When you and I respond differently than the world responds, they're going to begin to ask the question, what's the source of your peace? What's the source of your hope? What's the source of your confidence? And we'll be able to tell them the gospel of Jesus Christ, a personal relationship with him. So how we respond to unjust treatment can often be a powerful testimony of the life of Jesus in us. God has called us to do good, to do the right thing, even when the wrong thing is being done to us. Did you hear me? God has called you to do the right thing, 
even when the wrong thing is being done to you. And the reason is, notice what Peter says, because Christ is our example. Go back to verse 21, for God called you to do good, even if it means suffering, just as Christ suffered for you. He is your example, and you must follow in his steps. He is your example. You know, let's be honest with ourselves for a moment. Sometimes when we feel uh, injustice has happened to us, when we are mistreated, sometimes we think of getting even. We think of retaliation. Sometimes we may even think of creating an uprising. Let's get people on our side so they have to succumb to our pressure. But Peter sets forth the example of Jesus. And he puts it in a personal context, just as Christ suffered for you. Jesus had spoken about this and even prepared his disciples for such an occasion. If you read John's gospel in chapter 15, verse 20, Jesus told his, his followers, do you remember what I told you? A slave is not greater than the master. Since they persecuted me, naturally, they will persecute you. So for a moment, let's think of some ways that Christ endured suffering for you and I. He endured the unbelief of his own people. He endured a trial by religious leaders already committed to his death. He endured the lies of false witnesses. He endured beating and mockery from his people and from the Roman soldiers. He endured merciless flogging. He endured an excruciating, painful death by crucifixion. He endured the insults of bystanders as he suffered on the cross. He endured a time of separation from God. And Peter boldly proclaims and says, he is your example. You know, that word example is very interesting. In the Greek, it means a model of handwriting set up by a teacher, a rabbi, a master for their pupils to copy. The word was used as here as a figure of speech for a model of conduct for imitation. So, so Peter set up Christ as the model for the believers to follow. His example would have greatly comforted these believers who soon would be facing persecution for their faith. And they should face injustice from harsh masters or from other authorities just as Jesus did, trusting that God is in control. And what I want to remind you tonight is God is in control. 
You may feel like you've been treated in a very unjust way. You may feel like that you've been mistreated, but hear me. Jesus is your example. He suffered for you. He died and he arose again. And because he lives, we shall live also. And just like Jesus entrusted his life to the Father's plan, may you and I entrust our life to God's care. That God will take care of us. Jesus' example was complete trust and peace in the fact that God was in control. And may our prayer be, Lord, help us to exercise complete peace and trust in you at all times, even in those times when we are unjustly treated. God has called us to do good, even if it means suffering, just as Christ suffered for you. Now notice what Peter writes. He is your example, and you must follow in his steps. Follow in his steps. What a tall order. What a high command. The apostle Paul writing to young Timothy in his second letter, chapter three, verse 12, in verse 14, Paul's told Timothy this, yes, and everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ, in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Everybody who wants to follow in his steps, everybody who wants to live uh, as Jesus lived, everybody who wants to be Christ-like will suffer persecution. Verse 14 says, but you must remain faithful to the things you've been told. And glad tidings, I want to remind you, be faithful to the things you've been taught. Be faithful to the word of God. Be faithful to the example of Christ. Be faithful because the God you serve is faithful. There's a famous book written by Charles Shelton, which is still available today, titled In His Steps. And the premise of the book is this. A pastor challenged his church to begin to ask the question, what would Jesus do? Before they made any major decision, whether it was in business, trade, social relationships, or one's spiritual life. And their goal was to follow the steps of Jesus. For Jesus was their model. Jesus was their example. And they wanted to follow in the steps of Jesus. Well, you too may have a chance to follow in Jesus' steps. And we have the privilege of showing a needy world that Christians run at a different pace to a different tune tracking a different leader. His name is Yeshua, Jesus, the one who saves. King of kings and Lord of lords. In church, may our aim always be to follow in the steps of Jesus. The Crossway Classic Commentary on First and Second Peter writes this. 
The teachings of the apostles, which was confirmed in their own lives, was this. We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. And the commentary writes, it is an unpleasant way if you do not look to see where it is leading, for it leads to the kingdom of God. In other words, keep your eyes on Jesus. What you're walking through, keep your eyes on Jesus. Understand that what you're walking through leads to the kingdom of God. It may be hard right now. It may be difficult right now, but it leads to the kingdom of God. You may feel like you've been treated and mistreated and unjustly treated, but hear me. It's leading you to the kingdom of God. Christ's power lives and reigns within you. So keep your eyes Upon him, understanding that this thought, keeping your eyes on the kingdom of God, will transform the most bitter pain into joy and peace. While it is true that the righteous undergo many afflictions, it is also true that the Lord delivers them uh, out of all. Listen to what the psalmist said, Psalm 34, verse 19. The righteous person faces many troubles, but the Lord comes to rescue him each time. Did you get that, church? The Lord comes to rescue each time. Every time the Lord is coming to your rescue, I remind you tonight, the Lord is coming to your rescue. I remind you this evening that God... Is going to help you. He's going to be with you. So how can we do this successfully? How can we do this? How can we respond with Christ's likeness when we're under such harsh circumstances? How can we respond with respect and submission to ungodly authority at times? How can we do that? Keep Jesus in view. Read what Peter writes, verse 22. He never sinned, nor ever deceived anyone. He did not retaliate when he was insulted, nor threaten revenge when he suffered. He left his case in the hands of God, who always judges fairly. He personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. By his wounds, you are healed. How can we do this successfully? Keep Jesus in view. Listen to these statements. He never sinned. He never deceived anyone. He did not retaliate. He did not threaten revenge. He left his case in the hands of God. How do we make it through tough time? How do we undergo unjust authority? How do we deal with oppression from unjust authority? Keep Jesus in view. Listen to the writer of the book of Hebrews in chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. 
Let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this. We do this. Notice, we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Verse 3, think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and you will not give up. After all, you have not yet given your lives and your struggle against sin. I love verse 3. Think of all the hostility he endured. Then you won't become weary and give up. How are you going to make it during this season? How are you going to make it during this time? Keep Jesus in view. Keep your eyes fastened upon him. As I began to close, listen to Isaiah's prophecy hundreds of years before the crucifixion of Jesus. Isaiah 53 verse 7 says he was oppressed, oppressed and treated harshly, yet he never said a word. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. Unjustly condemned, he was led away. No one cared that he died without descendants, that his life was cut short in midstream, but he was struck down for the rebellion of my people. He had done no wrong and had never deceived anyone, but he was buried like a criminal. He was put in a rich man's grave, but it was the Lord's good plan to crush him and cause him grief. Yet when his life is made an offering for sin, he will have many descendants. He will enjoy a long life, and the Lord's good plan will prosper in his hands. When he sees all that is accomplished by his anguish, he will be satisfied. And because of this experience, my righteous servant will make it possible for many to be counted righteous for he will bear all their sins. Keep your eyes on Jesus. He's your example. <laughs> he suffered for you. He bled. He died. He did not cause an uprising. He did not, he did not cause a rebellion. He submitted to the plan and purpose of God because he knew there was something greater ahead I remind you, there is something greater ahead for each of us. Listen to the statement Peter writes in his letter. And church, let's claim it tonight. Verse 24. He personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live to what is right. By his wounds, you are healed. Believer, by his wounds, you are healed. 
I speak and declare the word of God over your life, over your family, over your household. He personally carried our sins in his body and by his wounds you are healed. Let us pray. Father, I thank you for your healing touch. I thank you, Lord Jesus, because you are our example. And Lord, we desire to follow in uh, your steps. And Lord, there may be some tonight who are struggling with what they feel like have been injustices against them. They may feel like they're in a situation where they have a hard, difficult taskmaster. They may feel the abuse of authority. And Lord, sometimes our natural inclination is to, is to rise up and to lead a rebellion. But I pray, God, that you would help us to respond in Christ-likeness. Help us to always keep Christ in view. Keep our eyes upon him. Lord, all of us are in difficult situations. All of us are facing unprecedented times. And Lord, with all the stress and pressure around us that is mounting what seems like every day, every moment, it is easy for us, Lord, to respond in negative ways. But I pray that you would help us to follow the example of Jesus. Help us to respond in Christ's likeness. Lord, I pray. I pray for those who are struggling with sickness. I pray that by your stripes they will be healed. I pray, Lord, those who have friends, co-workers struggling with sickness. I pray healing in Jesus' name. Lord, our life is in your care. And as Jesus trusted you with his life, so we trust you with our life. You are good, a good, good father. We worship you.